Listener Production. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of The Penny Drops. My name is Maddie J. I will be your host for this series. And look, I need a bit of help. Let me set the scene for you. I am well and truly in the depths of adulthood. I'm 34. I have two beautiful girls, Marley May and Lola. I have a great dog who has three legs. And I also have the perfect, dreamy, extravagant fiance, Laura. Did you go to such descriptive words because you realised that you left me until after the dog? You were looking at me with a very <laughs> unimpressed like, look on your face. So I was like... He's like, I also own a couch <laughs> and I have a bed and I'm Maddie J. I live in Bondi. Oh, that's right. And Laura Byrne, who's sitting and here. Laura, my better half. Oh, stop it. No, don't <laughs> stop. No, you hang up. Also, how did you manage to rope me in on being on the first episode of your podcast? Well, look, when it comes to talking about finances... There is no more singular, Maddie J. You know, we're a team. We do everything together. So you are included in this journey. Your debt is my debt, baby. Whether you like it or not. What's yours is mine. What's mine's my own. Isn't that what they say? No? If you're listening, <laughs> ignore what Laura says. Okay, the thing is, Laura, we both need a bit of help. And I think our situation is not unlike many others out there. There are so many people... Let's, let's call them young adults who need a helping hand when it comes to their finances. I think our situation is not totally disastrous. You know, we haven't done everything wrong. We have done some things wrong, but we just need a little nudge in the right direction and from the right people. Well, I don't think that we've done anything wrong, but I guess when it comes to our own finances, we've never been very deliberate with them. It would be nice to kind of have a bit more structure and a bit more plan with some intention behind it. So we kind of feel like we're heading in the right direction. Exactly right, Laura. And that's what this podcast is going to do. It is going to give us the discipline to finally get on top of the things that we've been ignoring for far too long. All right. So tell me, how is this going to work? Knowing that you don't know what you're talking about, I'm hoping that you've got a few experts coming on. Well, I wonder if there is anybody out there going, what the hell <laughs> is Maddie J doing hosting a finance podcast? I'm pretty sure there's a few people <laughs> that clicked on this podcast and was like, why is Maddie J doing this? There is some method to the madness. Okay. I will be meeting with the experts who are going to help me, us learn about all the things that we've been putting off for so long. Okay, for example, we're going to start with the basics, like writing a budget, understanding how to tackle debt. And, oh yeah, talk to me dirty. And, <laughs> and identifying <laughs> financial goals. Things like how to plan for getting a mortgage and buying a house, how to manage finances with your partner. Finance is not the sexiest of conversations, but I guess it's definitely a very important one. Oh no, I will make it sexy. Oh God. What about investing? Hang on. Superannuation. <laughs> what do you think? Interest free. Uh, okay, I think we should get back okay, to the point. I, I might not make it sexy, but I will make it interesting. All right, so speaking of making it interesting, where are you going to start? Okay, well, did you know there are actually distinct money personalities that have been identified? I know that there are spenders and savers but I didn't really think that it went far beyond that. Yeah, but there's actually five personality types. That's why we're chatting to Effie Zahos. She is a finance commentator and CanStar's editor-at-large. She's also had more than two decades' experience helping Aussies make the most of their money. 
She's going to give us a lowdown so we can figure out what money personalities we are and what it says about our money habits. Don't you find finance a little bit boring? (laughs) Don't listen to Laura. I love finance. But hey, there is one thing I need to say before we continue. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you are seeking advice for your own personal situation and needs, then I strongly recommend meeting with the professionals to get something personally tailored just like I did. Okay, so Effie Zahos, I want to talk about money personalities. And this is something that I never even knew it existed. I would like to know what are the different personalities? Yeah. Look, for me, I've always been interested in why is it, why do we do what we do? Understanding that is a lot harder than how to do it. I mean, there are strategies in place and, you know, there's no different new ways to make money traditionally. That stays the same. But unpacking who you are, that can be quite scary because a lot of us don't actually want to address that, don't we? Why is it I do this? Why is it that my credit card is racked up all the time? Why have I got so many buy now later facilities. Why is it that I on 60,000 can do better than you on 160,000? And I've always been fascinated with this. Now, look, just to full disclosure, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a behavioural economist, um, but I have delved into this area for some time. And um, what I'm about to say is not new if you know it. The money personalities, they've existed for some time. I certainly haven't come up with this. I mean, I've had a bit of creativity with some of them. And I've covered this in one of my books as well. Essentially, if I can be really basic here, Matt, there are about five money personalities. You've got the spender, the saver, the debtor, the investor, and the avoider. Now, there are shades here as well. And there's no one right money personality. So you can't be, you know, you can't say, look, I'm definitely the investor. I'm the best out of all of them. That's not the case. So I could be, say, even during the week, (laughs) not to make it seem like I have split personality, but I could be a saver on a Monday. And then on the weekend, I could be more of the spender potentially. And actually probably a lot of people may be doing that, like through the week, living well, nice and clean, kind of like a diet, isn't it? (laughs) Then on the weekend, you just hell, hell breaks loose. Um, Yeah, you could. You can be across absolutely in different shades of it and really what drives you because you can actually be a, a social spender. You may spend to, to, to boost your self-esteem and that's quite uh, common with a lot of us. Um, you may spend up big so others can admire you. There are usually reasons why we do that. Um, See, and- already, already for myself, I know that I'm a spender and I think I spend... Obviously, sometimes because I need to, but then there's other times when I just want a new pair of shoes because I know it's going to make me feel good. Yeah. And it's that simple. Actually, that's one of the triggers how it makes you feel too. And there are a lot of triggers. And in cases, um, you know, I know myself, sometimes I justify purchases by saying I deserve that. I've worked really hard. I deserve that. Um, I know when we booked a, a holiday last time when you could travel, it was like, oh, this year was shocking. I deserve that. And as long as you understand those triggers, you can actually put fixes in place. So in your case there, you were saying you're spending, you like shoes. I mean, how many pairs of shoes have you got, Matt? Is there a real problem we're talking about well, here? <laughs> look, at the, mo- at the moment, I have taken up the 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 front of the house. Oh, no. Uh, there is um, a stool that we bought that has about, 
seven pairs and now that's overflowing into Marley May's bedroom and also part of the laundry. So Who's got more shoes, you or Laura? But I'm also, <laughs> not, not to unpack my personality too much, I'm also somewhat of a hoarder as well. So I don't like to throw away like old running shoes. I'll hold on to them just in case I need an old pair of shoes to go outside the mud in. Oh, you're sitting on a gold mine. You know Gumtree's secondhand report and off the <laughs> yeah. top of my head. They say I think there's 21 items around the house that you can sell and I think it's about 5,800 off the top of my head that's just sitting there. So, look, you are sitting on money and wasting it as far as I'm concerned. If I was your partner, I'd be selling a lot of those shoes. <laughs> look, there are in that case there, if you are a spender, and I think it becomes a problem when you can't reach your goals. And I think you know within yourself that this is a problem. And, look, there are so many distractors these days to actually enable you to do that. You really don't even need cash to go shopping these days. There's the buy now, pay later. And there are, you know, obviously the old credit card. So it becomes a problem when it's stopping you from reaching your goals or keeping you up at night. Now, in that case there, there are things you can do. First of all, acknowledge it. And then what are you going to put in place to stop that? And also distract those triggers as well. So if you know you've had a hard day, look for something else. Maybe reward yourself in some other way. Um, And then, you know, in my case, it's the 48 rule. If I want something that bad, I've got to wait 48 hours. And believe me, I have some things in my, you know, shopping basket. It stays there. You know, it comes up when you open your computer as a reminder, bing, bing, remember me, remember me. (laughs) I say, put it away, 48 hours. Can I ask you, Effie, what was the last item that you applied the 48 rule to where (sighs) afterwards you thought, you know what, I probably, probably don't need that? Um, It was a clothing, actually, the last thing. And 48 rule, didn't buy it. Didn't buy it. It actually does work. Because I think I'm a sucker for an impulse buy. If it's if it's slightly discounted, that's enough to get me across the line. If, and if especially if on the website, if it says there's one item left, <laughs> I start to panic. My palms get sweaty, and I think I can't lose this. Even if it's like a dress and it's twenty percent off, I'm like I, I need it, Effie. <laughs> Well, Laura would appreciate that. Maybe, maybe not. I might be a bit angry if my partner did that. The reason being, actually, that's a classic example of marketing mind games that's happening now too. And a lot of us would fall for that or be aware of it. Um, And that happens online, exactly what you said. There's, you know, a couple of things there. There are X amount of people looking at this right now. It's 30% off. You are saving $50. There is only one left in the world of this. And, you know, you throw all that on and you look at it, and that's enough to, to trigger anybody. But you again, that 48-hour rule, you've got to walk away from it. And, and you've also then got to work out, yes, it's on sale. Yes, it's a discount. But what is the opportunity? What's the cost here? What's the real cost? If it's, say, let's say $100, where else could I put that $100 and get a better return? Where else would it give me a better satisfaction? For me personally, at my age, gee, I'd be dumping that in my super with a BPay transfer. It's not as exciting. <laughs> it as is we... exciting, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, in contrast to that, you have you mentioned the saver. Yeah. So, what are the kind of what are the key traits of a saver? So, the saver is you know the squirrels often defined as the animal. So, the, the peacock was the spender. Um, you know the the you know the flamboyancy of the feathers and the colours and distractions and, oh, it's, and that's it's what, me it's to a tea, <laughs> Well, the squirrel you know hoards their nuts regularly, save and saving is good. Don't get me wrong. We all need a cash cushion. We know that. We felt that during, you know, during the pandemic at the height of it, we were ripping money 
money out of our super funds like no tomorrow because we didn't have a cash cushion. And so there's nothing wrong with saving. But if you prefer having your money in, in, in cash and you're just saving rather than investing, that could be a problem. Mm. So, you know, there's got to be a balance there uh, because right now your probably best return, I think, was 1.3 on CanStar's database I found for savings and that's not even beating inflation. So you might as well put that money under your bed. Okay, because I, I feel like I'm the worst parts of different personalities <laughs> because, you know, when I was younger, I did have a little bit of saving put aside and it was just for a rainy day. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with that money. I think looking into the the long term, yep. I thought, hey, this could be the beginnings of a deposit, but it's just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there for so long that it's also now just the muscle memory of just having that money there. And it's sat there for so long that to action something to do with that money has now become really difficult. Well, where actually, where did you have this money? I just had it in a normal savings account. <gasps> that kills me. <laughs> that kills. And is it still there? Well, now, now we actually put you, that you, towards a home deposit. Okay. So how long was it sitting in this cash account? For? Oh my gosh. Effie, you're, you're gonna, <laughs> you, don't look at me like that. It was sitting there for um, about 10 years. Wow. We should have had this podcast 10 years ago. <laughs> I could have helped you a little bit more. Um, you talked to any finance expert 10 years in a cash account, um, and especially if you didn't have it earmarked for anything. Look, I can get it if you're almost close to, you know, a house deposit. I get that, you know. It, it, it's Let's take this back to basic. You know, it's it, it's risk for return. The, the, the higher the risk, the better the return. The lower the risk, the safer. That's why cash in the bank, yeah, that, that's actually guaranteed up to 250k by the government. And there, it has its purpose. But once you earmark something for a long-term goal like that, you could possibly dial up the risk and, and start getting the investment to do the heavy lifting rather than you putting money in. And it's all about, you know, what keeps you up at night? How much risk can you tolerate? Now, what about the the debtor? Mm. I uh, I don't know if I'm going to fit into that category, but what are the what are some of the key traits of of that? So the debtor I illustrated as the sloth. Now they're super cute, but they're super slow, um, <laughs> and it's not because of laziness. I didn't actually realise. I thought it was because it was laziness. It's actually a survival mechanism, so that they um, can't be seen by their predators. So I relate that to somebody who is walking around with a lot of debt on their shoulders. That monkey on that back, they just can't get rid of it, and they can't progress. Um, and there is a lot of, I guess, a lot of Aussies right now are in a huge amount of debt. Family home has put them in a huge amount of debt, but also personal debt, credit cards, buy now, pay later, um, car loans, you name it, we've got it. And we're actually in a in a, a safe kind of false solution at the moment because interest rates are so low and it will only take a rate cycle to happen. And we're already seeing that to actually feel the pinch here. And especially once, yeah. Now, when you say a rate cycle, yeah. I don't want to sound really ignorant here, but can you yeah. spell that out for me? Yeah. So uh, what I meant by that is the rates to increase. Once you start seeing rates to increase. So at the moment, we've got uh, the Reserve Bank, the central bank that controls the cash rate. That's dirt cheap. Money is dirt cheap. But you're already seeing banks increasing fixed rates on home loans because they're forecasting, hey, things are going to turn. So the first things they first thing they move are fixed rates. So once your 
family home mortgage goes up. You've got less money in the household. Mm. Then how are you going to pay for that lovely car you bought? Or how are you going to pay for maybe the school fees if that's what you're, you're paying as well? You then get yourself into a bit of a rut. And so it's important that you uh, you know, if you are in this debt situation, you need a strategy to put in place how to pay it off. And for me, the simplest thing is sit down, write all your debts, put amount you owe and the interest rate next to it. Then think hard, how am I going to knock this off? Do I go with the big debt first? Do I go with the highest interest rate? For me personally, I like the smallest debt because then I can pay that off pretty fast. I can cross it off my list and I feel good. It gives me that motivation. And that's where this 48 rule will be very important <laughs> because you know, if I am thinking, well, do I need those new shoes yeah. or do I want to keep chipping away at this debt? Yeah. That's when you can start to prioritize where your money needs to go. Yeah, absolutely. It's I, a- <laughs> I'm, le- I'm learning. Gosh, I'm a good teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the students, okay, one or the other. <laughs> Now, the investor, I mean, it's quite self-explanatory, but can you describe some of the key traits of that personality? Yeah, so the investor is depicted by what animal, Matt? What do you reckon? Okay, the investor. Wise. Uh, okay, obviously. Wise, wise. The owl. Oh, spot on. Now, they can rotate their necks 270 degrees. Some fun facts there for you. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know that. <laughs> and that basically lets them check out everything. So it's the same as the investor. The investor is constantly looking for great investments, for better deals, always on top of their finances. And it's always... Obviously, Effie, that would be, I guess, the most ideal personality trait for someone to be successful with their money. I mean, is it? But what about if you're in a situation, and like I was saying right at the beginning, there are so many shades to this. What about if you are constantly chasing the next hot tips, you are constantly trading, buying and selling and and the the brokerage costs are not quite sure what you're doing and just acting irrationally. Mm. You know, there are lots of research out there that shows if you try and time the market, jumping in and out, the costs of doing that, you would have just been better probably sitting in a balanced fund and cruising through. So it depends on what type of investor you are. And also, we haven't talked about this, but imagine then being that type of extreme investor and hooking up with, say, the, the peacock. Yeah, there's a lot of fur that's going to fly in feathers yeah, well, there. What, what animal would that create? <laughs> Imagine the offspring the, there. The offspring there. They'll have very difficult personalities. And then last on the list is the avoider. So the ostrich. Mm. The ostrich, head in the sand. Basically, if you can relate to this, I'm going to do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm going to check my super. Oh, yeah, oh, it's in my inbox. Yeah, I've got to check my electricity. I'm going to do that. I know there are better deals out there. Car insurance, yep, I'm going to check that as well. Well, even even sometimes, I, you know, I know there's been a Monday or a Tuesday where I thought, I haven't really had a good look at my bank balance and, you know, and seen where I'm at and I'm about to log in to yeah. online banking and I stop myself because sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah, okay. So you might be an ostrich as well, mate. Gee, you're <laughs> you <Yeah>. got it. <laughs> um, all I can say here is that if that is you, if you can relate to, to, to you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, there is never a perfect time to do anything. Um, but understand this. Think of the benefits that's going to come from that as well. So after this, after I chat with you, I'm going to go home because my car insurance and home and contents insurance are due. And I'm going to get three quotes online. It's going to take me probably about half an hour. 
I know it's going to be cheaper than what they've sent because car insurance premiums have shot up the roof. We've all bought these cars. Cars are more expensive. The values of cars have gone up. They've all gone up. Um, home and contents, we've got more floods, more natural disasters. The risk-based pricing, that's gone up. So I'll probably save myself roughly maybe about four or $500 combined with house and car insurance. Okay, that's not a bad hour's income, four or $500. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, who earns four or $500? I'm thinking like a barrister or someone. <laughs> yeah, someone like that for sure. Um, but, you know, typical Aussies where, you know, I'd, I'd be happy with four or $500 an hour, that's for sure. That's the income I'll be earning by just, you know, stop saying I'm going to do it and do it. So you've got to think that way. And is there is there like a dream mix of what personalities people should be if they want to be really successful? Like I'm, I'm trying to think of my own situation right now. Yeah. Ob- obviously... I look at the ostrich and I'm yeah. like, I want to, the avoider, there's no real benefit yeah. in that. But are there other areas that I should try and dial up? Look, I'm definitely no expert at, um, I guess, the, the the traits of the most successful people in the world. But uh, I guess there is no right or wrong personality here. So if people are listening and thinking, oh, I'm the peacock, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. It's really understanding what behaviours you have and then trying to put those fixes in place. Obviously, people that do get up, have a plan, have a goal, are motivated, are going to do this and do that and understand what and where they're trying to get to are going to be successful, whether it's in investing or just in your careers. Um, So it's a case of taking some time to really sit back and not worry too much about, oh, God, where have I got to put all this money and what have I got to do? Just sit back and just reflect. Why is it that I'm here right now? What have I done to get here? And then think about how do I change? And it may be you may need some help. It could be seeing a financial advisor. It could be seeing a money coach, a spending coach. There are spending coaches out there that don't help you spend. I know it sounds like that. (laughs) That's not what I need. (laughs) That would be nice to have. But actually help you walk through that spending process. So there's so much help out there because sometimes we can't do it on our own. It almost makes me question though, I wonder why... Money for me has been something that I've avoided for so long. And I think, I, I don't know, because I've been fortunate in that I haven't had a huge amount of debt. But knowing that I'm not failing yeah. is almost enough for me to go, oh, I don't want to touch it. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Maybe you just haven't hit rock bottom too. Some people just cruise through their situation. And it's not always what it seems. Like I'm a great believer, you know, the grass may be green on the other side, but it's fake. Um, it could be fake. So, you know, I've I've written about this situation, true story, and I won't mention names, whereby I went to a a party and we were a little bit intimidated. The house was amazing. There was beamers out the front. We walk in there, they open the door and there's like verve happening and hors d'oeuvres. And I thought, oh God, these people are never coming to our house. (laughs) And then a couple of moments later, the owner of the house pulls me over, knew what I did. I'm, I'm kind of like, I guess, the uh, the chiropractor where people go, I've got a sore back. People come to me and go, oh, look, you know, can you help me? Pulled me aside, took me into a room. I thought, oh, gee, what's going to happen here? <laughs> what kind of party have we entered into? And he said, look, I'm about to lose everything. I'm in so much in debt. Can you help me? He's a peacock. Yeah, <laughs> he's Classic a peacock. peacock. Well, you'd look around. My first thing in my head is, why are you doing all this? Why have I got someone opening the door with verve in front of me? You know, settle it down. There were a number of reasons for his situation. And, you know, he took action and um, landed pretty well afterwards. But 
that just goes to show, I guess, for a lot of us, if we are cruising through, sometimes it takes a crisis to, to realise, hey, I need a change. And this is what happened during the pandemic. This is why a lot of us have become true savers now, because crisis hit. We didn't have cash. We relied on our super. We relied on uh, on support. And a lot of us are now saying, I never want to be in that situation again. And I think that was it. I think I have up until now been this cruising peacock with not too much of a worry in the world, but all of a sudden with just this stop of of work and then having Laura and myself have a moment where we can go, hang on a second, let's just reassess. Let's just look at where we're at in life. Obviously now we've got two kids. Like where do we want to be in five, 10 years? So one silver lining from being in lockdown is the fact that it's allowed me to spend more time looking at my finances. Yeah. And you've probably never seen interest rates at 18%. Yes, I have. I was lending money at 18%, you know, for loans. You know, so I, I've seen rates hit ridiculous amount and people in, in huge financial woes. So, you know, I think for a lot of first-home buyers over the past five years, they've been in bliss. I think uh, it's been a good first lesson for me, Effie, yeah. so far. <laughs> I haven't been in trouble. I haven't been sent to the corner of the room. So thank you so much. And I now realise what animal I am. <laughs> that peacock. You're, that's also part ostrich and also part... I think you're the peacock, squirrel, sloth, owl and ostrich. Wow. Is I'm it? like, yeah, this <laughs> mutant animal. That's, Which is not bad as long as Laura can keep up with you. <laughs> yeah. I want, now I need to speak to Laura to find out exactly what mutant animal <laughs> she is. But Effie, thank you so much for your time today. It has been so insightful. I really appreciate it. And for anyone out there who does want to learn more about where they're at with their money and what more they could be doing, you have a new podcast that has come out. Yeah, I sure do. It's called Real Money with Effie Zahos. Nice and simple. So I just get a whole lot of, you know, stories from people, real life stories, good, bad, indifferent, and have a chat and see what we can get through with them. I will definitely be listening. Effie, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so in a way, it's reassuring to know that I haven't waited until I'm at rock bottom to want to change how I approach my finances, but I know there are definitely areas I need to reassess, in particular, my spending and avoiding habits. But one thing I would love to know, for someone who's really successful, what money personality do they have? And were they always on top of their finances or was it something they had to really work at? Well, we're about to find out. Australian fashion guru Jane Liu started her company Shopo in 2010 in her garage as a humble little startup selling clothes online. 12 years on and the company has grown to be a multi-million dollar empire, shipping to over 120 countries with more than 140 employees. Ooh, and they also have over 3 million followers on social media. It's pretty safe to say... Shopo is killing it. So surely success is something that Jane has always enjoyed. Well, not at all. But actually (laughs) we started um, when a friend came to me and said, let's start a business. She had the idea to run pop-up stores selling emerging designers. So that's what we did. And that business failed. But then I took all the lessons and the mistakes and the learnings from that and almost did kind of like the opposite but like a pivot into that. Like we were like, okay, we did the pop-up store and I was like, oh my God, that's so much effort. We need to like go online. We sold at a high price point. I'm like, no, 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 we need to go a lower price point. So it's like kind of a similar business, but a pivot. And it kind of like 
fell into like if had I not had that failed business, I would have never been where I am today. Okay, but I imagine because your background is finance and accounting, I thought that would have been a really strong point for you going into starting your own business. Maybe having the degree makes you think like assume that you'll be good at it and you probably don't apply yourself too much and it actually makes you worse. I mean that's my theory. And so then who do you think you've learned these money habits from? I think I've I've gone rogue and had to just make it up myself because my parents like never valued money too much. They just like needed it to get by and that kind of stuff. So I think I I'm not a splurger, but I guess not like smart with my money, I would say. <laughs> Well, that's really reassuring for me to hear because I am definitely not smart with my money either. Do you remember with your company then when somebody was saying, well, where's your profit and loss statement? At that point, did you think, whoa, I really need to get some help with my own business now in terms of the finance side of things? Yes, we did hire an accountant, which honestly, the accounting meetings was like the worst part of my day and my week. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really lucky now. My husband's actually joined the business and he is working as our CFO amongst other things. So he's able to take care of it, which is amazing. I know it's like the best. (laughs) I feel like the important lesson here is if you don't enjoy doing it, it's good to get somebody else who does enjoy it and knows exactly what they're doing. Exactly. Understand your blind spots and just like, do what you can to make up for it. Okay. So right now, if I was to ask you, Jane, what are your money personalities? What do you think most accurately represents who you are? So I think I'm a bit of an avoider, to be honest. Like Jane, so am I. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't check my credit card often because I just don't want to know. I don't do reconciliations. I don't check things. I don't know. Because I also think the problem is I get really deep into Like if I'm like trying to check something, I'll, I'll like waste too much time going into too much details. So maybe you're, you're a bit of the ostrich and you're also maybe a bit of the investor as well. Yeah. But I feel like working in retail, you'd have to be a bit of a spender, a spender as well. Yes, I think I definitely am. And I think I spend with my emotions, which is like probably not ideal, And I know I am being emotional with that decision. And I know that like, okay, this is not a once in a lifetime opportunity, but I still like, I can't help myself. I feel like if Effie was listening to this conversation, she'd be having a heart attack right now. Because what I'm taking from it, Jane, is that if you're an avoider, you can still run a really successful company. I know, I can't. That doesn't sound right. I don't think that's the right message to send. But I think the difference though (sighs) between me and you is that you have a partner who is obviously very good at running finances, whereas I'm not in that situation. (laughs) Yeah, just blame blame her. Yeah, well, I blame blame Laura Laura for this situation. (laughs) Okay, and so now that nowadays that you're running a really successful company, you know, you have over, is it 140 staff at the moment? Yeah. The way that you approach your finances, has that changed at all? I think so. I mean, obviously, like, you know, we have strong budgets, like within the business, but personally, because we're so invested in the business right now, we look at the opportunity cost of like spending time on the business versus like personal finances. And so personal finances have been deprioritized. And like, I do look at the stock market boom during the start of COVID. I was like, oh, if we weren't like busy dealing with 
freight issues. <laughs> we would have like invested in shares and would have made like a killing, but just didn't have the capacity at the time. And we just had a newborn as well at the time. So that didn't help. Yeah. Children are always a massive roadblock for financial success, I found. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and then looking back then from, I guess, when you first started the failed company, when you're in $60,000 debt to where you are right now, what would you say is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned when it comes to your finances and running a business? I need to be better at understanding materiality. So like, basically, this is might be a bit boring, but when I was an auditor at the big four accounting firms, the first thing you do before you start an audit is you look at what is materiality, like what is an amount worth investigating into? And so if you know it's not important. You don't waste your time on it because it's not going to make a material difference. Anyway, I know that by principle, but I still sometimes like can get too deep into the little things. And I think sometimes when I spend time trying to get a refund on this, trying to like negotiate on that, there's like bigger things at hand that I'm just not focused on because I'm distracted and then I can go into the weeds. So it's the emotional in me. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm by principle, right. And so what are those big important things for you then in your business? Product and marketing, where we spend that. Yeah, those are probably the biggest decisions in in business for us. When it comes to your ambitions with your business, I mean, did you always want to be the size that you are right now? Was that your driving inspiration? You know, it's funny, like when you're growing the business, it's always about like growing to that next stage, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But I think I was really... I'm really glad that like we always stopped and smelled the roses and like, you know, celebrated and appreciated the whole process. I think part of it is the journey. I think for me, it wasn't just about like get to X, Y, and Z. It's the fact that like I didn't want to stay working in a job that I hated. So it was more about creating a career where I would enjoy every day of the week, not just the weekends. And then when you think about what the future looks like for Shopo, what are your ambitions there? Yes, well, we've got huge plans ahead. We've been launching some new categories, like in 2019, we launched Bridal, which has taken off really well um, with our like formal ranges and also just some lockdown categories like sweats, which is a big move away from like more like the party dresses that we, we normally do. So that's really exciting. And yeah, just huge campaigns planned in marketing as well this year, which is always just like a lot of fun. Well, Jane, it is hugely inspiring to hear your story because I know that if you can achieve success, then little old me can as well. Oh my God, of course. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me. Bye. Okay, so the good news, it seems there's a few different traits to success and the fact that Jane is also part avoider and she runs a hugely successful company, it means that I'm not totally writing myself off just yet. But the bad news... Unfortunately, this is the end of episode one. Yep, it is done and dusted. But before we go, just a really quick wrap up of the key points that I learned from today's episode. There is no right or wrong personality when it comes to money. It's about understanding my behaviors and triggers so that I can put fixes in place. For example, if my spending gets to the point where it's stopping me from achieving my goals and also maybe keeping me up at night, it's important to acknowledge that it's become a problem. And I can start to use the 48 rule. If I want something that bad, I'll wait 48 hours before making the purchase. And nothing is going to slow me down like debt. 
I can understand how much I owe by prioritizing my debt and then putting in a strategy to pay it off. Savings are great, but there are investing options out there that offer a much stronger return. And don't worry, we're going to cover off this topic later in the series. And lastly, this may be the most important note of all. From this point on, I promise that I'm not going to avoid my finances anymore. I need to put a plan in place. And right now, I don't know what that plan is, but that's exactly what we're going to cover off in the next episode because I'm getting stuck into the basics. Yep, that's right. I'm learning the sexy art of budgeting, setting goals, and getting rid of debt with the help of a financial advisor, as well as someone who clawed their way out of a crazy amount of debt. Okay, and one last thing before I go, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you reviewed, subscribed, or maybe just send it to a friend. That is it. I'm finished. Until next time, spend less and save more. And if you don't, well, we'll work on that next week. This podcast was produced on what always has been and always will be Gadigal Land. Listener.